I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Another crazy story. Just like the others. How am I always involved? I can't explain it. Must be something in the air. Or maybe it's just me. Welcome back to Isn't Me. I'm your host, Michelle Forrester. It's Friday, so we've had another week to spiral. Um, look, I've got a tagline now. Um, in the studio, we've uh, we've got my co-host, Josh Shapiro. As always, he's here. And today's guest, I'm very excited to introduce you to. This guest is a little bit different. I know you guys are used to hearing comedians, but we are expanding our horizons here. We're going to other artists in Montreal because Montreal is full of them and artists are always spiraling so it's my pleasure to introduce you to julien corrado thank you so much for being here thank you thank you for hitting me up i'm yeah. stoked to be here yeah it's great um uh julien and i don't even know each other but we have a mutual friend and uh, she recommended that you come on the show um you're a musician right yeah that's your like main main art main art yeah i play drums okay cool just band. drums in a band yeah wow that's really how cool. long have you been in your band for uh, or has your band been together? We've been together as a band, as a duo. So it's a two-piece rock and roll band called okay. the, the Flamingos Pink. Um, yeah. Um, I play drums, Sash sings, and plays guitar. Nice. We've been a band for almost six years. Okay, awesome. Wow. So two people. Two people, yeah. Wow. And yeah. you've, like, two years and the whole time, like, you've been performing. Uh, no, or six years. Six years, sorry, on and off. Or not no, on and off. fully full, on. Full, full on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah wow. And, yeah. like, never... Never, never had wavered. any. No, never wavered. I never mean, had any. Uh, two never people. spiraled. Yeah one, yeah. one might say I'm spiraling right now. <laughs> <laughs> Always spiraling. I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, Did you guys know each other before you started the band? Yeah, actually, we were. Um, I mean, the the long story is I was his hall room monitor. We're seven years apart, so I met him when he was twelve and I was nineteen. Oh shit! Yeah. And oh, then, wow. Yeah, and then. Um, Seven years later, he became a hall monitor, and I had come back. You know, as a musician, you always have these jobs, the on and off jobs. And I came back, and we uh, were hall monitors together. And uh, we started a band there. I, I organized a band for the kids, and I said, I'll, I'll do it if I could do a band with the, with the hall monitors. And he comes up to me, and he goes, uh, hey, I, I can sing. I remember him from, you know, when I when he was twelve, and I was like, okay, cool, that's that's crazy. I didn't know. And he gave me these uh, these headphones, and he's singing Jailhouse Rock by Elvis Presley, and it it like it blew me away. Wow. And uh, I knew we were gonna play music together. And then, yeah, now we've been in a band for six years. It's like our friendship spans a long, long time. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and was uh, he like the kid that you were like, okay, this one's not bad when he was twelve? No, very, very quiet kid. Shy. Okay, you didn't kid. really know him. Uh, uh, you know, you, as as well as you know, kids for that sure. you're a, a hall monitor for. That's yeah. yeah. When you say hall monitor, you mean like at a school? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Exactly. Like, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Which, like, are you just 
monitoring the hall? Yeah, like I was replacing teachers or you're okay. going on, uh, gotcha. on uh, how do you say, like uh, field, field trips. trips. Yeah, field exactly, trips. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Or like okay. lunch outside yeah, or something. Exactly. So like, you get to know kids. That's what I mean. Even the it's shy like, ones or the, he wasn't a troublemaker. If you're trying to say it, was he a troublemaker? No, he, he no, was, not, was he a trouble? Was he like the one that you were like, this one's a cool kid. Like this one's fine. Uh, he, he was just a very polite and uh, very shy kid. Yeah. Uh, Who could sing jail? I was rock. a piece of shit. Well, you didn't know. Yeah. I was, That's I was a rambunctious to say the least. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you were always getting suspended. I, I only got, ever got suspended twice. <laughs> I was bad in elementary school, but in high school, I was uh, I was playing sports. Okay, and like nice. uh, if if you got suspended or 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 you know much less than just suspended, uh, you'd get benched. So you, you didn't want to get benched. Yeah, that's fair. There's stakes yeah. when you're playing sports. Yeah, yeah. I played, grew up playing sports as well, and it's a, you do you have to be on your best behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, because a lot of the, your teachers are the coaches <laughs> and so they, yeah. Yeah, they know true. and they can hear and it gets back to them. Um, did you get kicked out also? Yeah. Yeah. I got, yeah. I got <laughs> kicked out. No, no, no. The yeah. I got kicked out. But then, so my, say, like, I was, I think maybe, no, I was worse like end of elementary school and beginning of high school. And then like after ninth grade, like they, they broke my will and I was just like, I'm just going to quiet down. And to be honest, I started smoking weed. Mm -hmm. I did some acid and mm -hmm. I was like, why do I let them? Fucking, I was. Let me just be quiet and do my thing, and not let them know I'm doing my thing, and then everyone's gonna leave me alone. <laughs> and then that's when I finally just stopped getting shit from everyone. Yeah, I just smoked weed and got quiet, and everyone was like, "Oh, you're not that bad." Yeah, for real. So, you're both comedians. Yes. Okay. Do you go to school to become a comedian, or you just kind of like we just like we go to open mics? That's mm -hmm. how it really starts here. Mm -hmm. um, in French, there's an amazing school. There's École Nationale uh, mm -hmm. du Mour. Um, which is a great program to go into. It's actually very hard to get in. But in English, if I'm being honest, there's probably a few good schools, but most of them are just not worth your time, you know? And not yeah. everybody, like, I don't know. Uh, there are, like, there's Second City, which is amazing, and so many amazing, talented people, mm -hmm. but it's also hard to get into Second City, you know? It's expensive, too. Second mm -hmm. City is quite expensive. But Second, Second City is also, like, more improv-focused, which obviously we were just, we, last week, or just before we were talking to some comedians about, Second City and Improv and mm -hmm. stuff, which is like definitely good for stand up. But there is Humber College, which I mean, a good Humber, friend, Hattie, one, of, yeah. one of our good friends of an amazing stand up in Montreal, Hattie Kuba. He he is a graduate from that, and I actually keep meeting um, stand ups that went to Humber that are so talented nice. because they know how to they teach you how to write like f the format of jokes. Um, but then there's also kind of like this inside joke among stand-ups that like, if you have to go to school to be funny, you're probably not that funny. Yeah. And I think that comes from like, I think Jerry Seinfeld once was teaching, they asked him to teach a class on stand-up. And the first thing he said is like, you're just by being here, like you're already not a stand-up. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> this but, already is not funny. <laughs> yeah. You're already like, you won't, but I mean, we say that, but then, like I said, it, I, I have noticed that a lot of the graduates from Humber, for example, there's some phenomenal so I, I I would assume that the 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 equivalent in music is performance versus ability. To like perform for a crowd is like you gotta get in those hours. Exactly. Rather than studying how to play the music. Exactly. And both are important. And I would assume equally important. Like uh, depends it, on what I guess I guess it depends. I mean, for me personally, I've always been more of a run and gun kind of person. And I get I mean as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that if you're only run and gun, then you're kind of missing out on on a, a, on layers and textures that you could be putting into your art. Um, 
But at the same time, I'm a firm believer in you just do it and then assess what you did and do it again and then do it again and do it again. And so, I mean, our, our sets are very, very performative in the sense or high performance, I would say. We're drenched um, and you're playing off of each other. And I think the coolest thing is when there are mistakes, it's, it sucks the air out of the room and then you don't know what's going to happen. And then it takes a split second to look at each other and go like, okay, and it locks in again. And I, that's the most, that's what I crave. And like that almost can't be taught. It, it can't. It, it's it has just to you. be learned through working with each other. And, and communication. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about animals and horses, but like communicate, nonverbal communication. Right. And, uh, it, it, you know, you're reading the room, you're reading your bandmate. It's, uh, and I love yeah, that you say split second because it re- like time slows down when you're on sometimes mm-hmm. when yep. you're on stage. Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. Or I guess if you don't control it, um, it could go by in an yes, instant. You know, like your too. first sets, you're go- it's like you don't even remember what happened. Yeah. But um, uh, I think with time, I've learned to kind of take a step back as it's happening to be able to read. Yeah, what's going on, and, and that to- takes an enormous amount of like. Like presence and like mm-hmm. being present. I remember when I started stand up, someone was explaining to me, um, like the fact, uh, like the idea of like being present, like for the audience. And mm-hmm. I thought that was such a weird concept because I was like, of course you're present. Like you're there, you're on stage. How could you be any more present? And the thing is, when you start as an open micer, you are kind of in this like hyper aware, hyper present state because like you're trying to remember your jokes and you're mm-hmm. you're so nervous and you're so whatever. But it's like finding like presence after you're like comfortable on stage that I've found now I understand what that older comic was talking about of like you really do need to be dialed into like everything in the room Mm -hmm. and to have somebody else on stage too is like wow so you need so much trust and like for sure yeah it's 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 my favorite thing you know and and sometimes I get I get scared it's like okay it's kind of like a drug right you want you want it you want it you want it and i I have kids now so i I have a three and a half year old and a one and a half year old and that's changed my view on on music and and you know what the whole point of it is yes for sure it's so interesting it it, it, like it's the presence of it it's not just about you anymore no but ultimately performing isn't just about you either so it's like my whole life it was like well what are you gonna do when you have kids and when you have kids it's like you go through this phase of going okay is this important to me or is it not and then whatever kind of time that you're putting into something that is not your kids you're going like is what what's the goal of this you know what's the purpose of this so if anything it gave me a lot more purpose but um the spiraling aspect as well. Sometimes you, you kind of, you, if you zoom out too much, it gets a bit overwhelming, you know? For sure. That's interesting. Like having kids was able, like almost brought more focus into, into your, into your craft. Yeah. Into the art. Yeah. And that's not the first time I've heard that. That's oh, really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Maybe I should have a kid. It really <laughs> is. It really is like one or the other. What, the way I, what I've seen it like go down with people is like you either give up not give up but kind of just like let put it, it on go. the back burner let once it it's on the back burner yeah, yeah you let it go or double down you tr- yeah fucking go yeah. hard and yeah. really like make it happen and there is like we, i feel like we all know as artists we can make it happen better than it's happening currently usually but like it takes something to get you to do that 
I guess to sustain it too. I think yeah. that's the that's the mental part and the spiraling part. It's like okay, I, I've given so much to to this, and I, I've given so much to the performance, the writing, the the everything, and it, it's not you know I guess it's easy to feel unsuccessful, but I think when you redefine what success is, then you can make it you can make yourself feel successful to you you know relatively to yourself you yeah. know you adjust your expectations and, 100%. And, uh, but i mean it's very hard on social media in 2024 and you That's, look around yeah. and talk about spiraling too you know it's very easy to be like this this you know fake perfection everyone is killing it and everyone's doing yeah great and it's i don't know and then sometimes i struggle it's like you want to show the the struggle but that can be that level of vulnerability is kind of intense on the internet sometimes but yes it's fair too but there is if you can do it right you have to be in control of your vulnerability when showing it you can't just you know what i mean there are those people who really dive in <laughs> and they let people know too much and then it's like six months later but the they same, have people like commenting like maybe if you fix your issues with your mother you'd be doing better you know yeah, but at the same time i i realized too well maybe it's similar in comedy uh, as it is in music but i feel like isn't the goal to share your innermost emotion in order to connect with someone? For it, sure. Because mm -hmm. it, it feels like, you know, you've, when, you, when you spiral, you're going like, okay, no one feels this way. I'm alone. It, it, and I find like the best way for me, and that's, I'm lucky to have a bandmate. It's like you talk about it and you're like, whether he's lived it or not, you, you, you connect and you for go sure. like, oh, and you know what? Most of the time people have felt the way you felt. Oh, yeah, yes, all the time. fully. So you don't know till you say it, and then when you say it, it feels like, huh, that's yeah, and you know, part just, of the weight is off. Yeah, and also sometimes just saying it and like kind of relinquishing to it and saying like, ad, like admitting it's happening and admitting that you're mm -hmm. feeling this way. Some of that too just gets off your chest, you know. For and sure. and then you have someone, and it's also it's like, especially in stand up, it's it's. I was just talking to a, a colleague of, of mine about this, but in stand up, it's like very much an individual sport, mm -hmm. but that's like felt in a collective way. Like we're all kind of feeling a lot of the same things, but sometimes it feels kind of competitive because like it's individualist and it's a very like individual, um, I think endeavor. It's a selfish endeavor. I would even venture to say. And it's just like, sometimes when you're going through something, um, it feels like, yeah, like you're the only one going mm -hmm. through it, but talking to people that are in the same kind of areas, you definitely helps yeah. a lot. But with, with what you were saying about the internet is that sometimes when you put that vulnerability out there, it's there forever, you know? Mm -hmm. It's very different than like doing a set and being vulnerable for the people that are for came that to moment. see you for that moment. They leave, they go, oh wow, it was nice that that person was vulnerable. It doesn't live forever for everyone to judge. Mm. Yeah, On the internet, and it, was more, it does. So I think that, and also like my comment about like being in control of it is more like, I think, um, if you're if you end up like like just dumping on it because you were saying that like if you're just pretending like your life is great people are going to be more interested they're going to want to be a part of it but if you're a little bit more in control of how you're going to deliver the information what your issues are then you actually thought out how you know how like when you're emotional and you just kind of say whatever you think you're feeling you almost say some things that aren't true just because you're emotional they're and true you're just for that moment but yeah. they're not true forever yeah you get okay. perspective after some time yeah so 
if you're at least to start off able to be in control of your vulnerability for them to actually like understand the real issues and what's going on. I think there is a path in it. And I think that it's really sick when people do get to do that. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, that's just like in all art, like are you making true art or are you doing fucking shit that you know is going to sell, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's much harder to do that and live a vulnerable social media life. <laughs> it's very hard. Yeah. I haven't been able to really do it, to be honest. Um, how has your, like, what are you, what are you apart from, you touched on spiraling a little bit about social media and vulnerability, but what are you, is there anything else you're spiraling about like right now, this week, this month, um, or in general forever? <laughs> it's funny. Cause I, I never considered myself to be an anxious person. And I think as time has gone on, I realize, oh, wow, I'm <laughs> or I feel sometimes like I'm the most anxious person that I know. And I guess that's the nature of anxiety is again, you think you're the only one or you're the most, but um, I get very existential at times. Uh, this may be heavy, but my mom died um, 15 years ago. And now having kids of my own, I didn't realize that it opened up things that I thought I had put to bed already. Yeah. And, and um, it, I was like, I wasn't really ready to face that. And, and um, it, uh, I, I think I'm doing much better with it now because I realized that my fear, so it's like after my mom died, I felt like there was no point in living. Right. Like there was no purpose. Like if everything can just be taken away from you, what's the point of even caring? Because you're just going to get hurt. Right. But that's not a sustainable way to view life, selon moi. Yeah. And um, especially when you have kids, because I was like, okay, so my fear is robbing my children from the love that I could be giving them because I'm too fearful. And I was like, that my brain can't compute that, you know? And, and that kind of pushed me to uh, really just dig deep and, and realize, okay, so you, you, you can't live your life fearing uh, that everything's going to be taken away. Yeah. That's, I think that's the... So is it almost like, like when you were dealing with things like up until you had kids, it was like defense mechanisms, like rather than getting sad, you'd get like mad. Uh, not whatever. even, not even. I, I could just smile through life, you know, and yeah. I realized that it's, it's very easy for me to look like I'm doing all right. But inside, like, I could be boiling, I could be raging. And that kind of, uh, you know, it's a fine line between those, those, uh, those emotions. And you could be surrounded by people and feel kind of like that rage. Or you can be in a chaotic situation and then feel like, ah, everything is chaos. Yes. I knew yeah. it would be this way and <laughs> revel in it. You oh, know? my and, God, yeah. But, I, but you realize that, you know, you have the, capabi the, the capability to live both the emotions just... It's up to me to line up, you know, but that, yeah. I mean, that it's, it's a tough thing, you know? So yeah. I remember it, a few years, just quick, yeah. a few years ago, there was a, a person in a circle I was in who was very like evil to everyone. Mm. And it was years that everyone knew. And it was like kind of like difficult because you know how people are that they want to see the benefit of the doubt. Or they want to like be good. And, and anyways, it all, this person ended up like really fucking up and like getting away. And almost like once it was done. And the person was out of our lives. I was like, what now? <laughs> well, yeah. It, I guess relativity, right? You're, it's like it, it's easy when that's the, the focal point. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, it's like, again, it's back to caring about something. It's easy to not care about anything and say, I don't care. But then 
what happens when there's nothing happening? And it's like, okay, I gotta care. I gotta care about myself because or else I'm just gonna mm-hmm. fade away, you know? Yeah, or like fade away, or like just kind of live in auto on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of people who don't like care and they just kind of like mm-hmm. just doing the things whatever, the, whatever. And yeah, and and then they turn to like other things to kind of add excitement to their life, you know, yeah. like um. I used to like have like I don't really drink a bunch anymore. Like I'll have one drink here and there. I'll have like a glass of wine here and there. But I I stopped drinking. But the real reason I stopped drinking was because I used to have this like really insane group of like party friends, and that was like my whole life. Like they were the focal of my whole life. Like getting fucked up and like getting like because I realize now that like getting to that level of fucked upness allowed me to have an intimacy with those people because when you're like fucked up. You know, the drugs make you, the drugs or the alcohol, they make you close in a way. You almost like bond with people more, especially people who like who are a bit more repressed. And so I would like create, I, my whole life was just surrounded around the weekend about like getting mm-hmm. together with this one specific group of friends and like getting super fucked up and like then having all these like moments in my mind that I thought were like beautiful, like these beautiful moments of connection. And then when I like went through something dark similar, like what you explained, like it changed my whole perspective that like after that fact, like I tried to get back into that, be that person again and like go back and like have those moments with, and it was the same situations. I just felt so differently about them because like, it just didn't, it didn't, the perspective changed, the relativity changed. And there's a, there's a a sentence that, um, I wrote a while back and it was when we were doing drugs, at least we were feeling the same things. Yeah. And I find that with drugs and, you know, certain party drugs, you, it's like you have these moments of intense connection or so you think. You think. And then the next time you see this person sober and you try, to, it's like not the same level. There's, you don't even talk about what was so interesting when you were on drugs. So you're going, well, if we're having these, it's fake connection, you know? And I was like, I I don't like this, you know, because you're you're two different persons. And then it, for me, it's like, okay, we're just talking shit then. This is a waste of time. If, if we're just taught, we're messed up, we're talking about this and it's like, okay, cool. And the next day it's like, it, it never happened. I was like, but it's true. You're feeling the same thing. So it's easy to like connect. But then when the drugs wear off, then you're left feeling all kinds of other emotions. Yeah. Well, then how do you deal with how do you deal with it? It's like somebody like uh, they're like in like, uh, let's say, an unhappy marriage or whatever. They get all fucked up and they're talking to their friend about it. They're like, you know what, man, I got to get out. Yeah. Fuck this, man. And then they Mm -hmm. wake up in the morning and the guy's like, so what do you what do you do? Oh, you're crazy, man. I'm just going back to my life. Like, as you wake up in the morning, it's all reset. It's just hard reset on everything. But you know what's even more weird is it's like if you're telling your friend what it is that you're unhappy about. And then it's like, well, did you did you tell person that you're with it's like no 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 exactly it's like, well how's it how are you gonna fix anything yeah. if you're mm-hmm. not real about your feelings right but you know to be real with someone else about your feelings you got to be real with yourself with yourself and yeah. i think that's the that's the toughest thing you know yeah it, it it was also like this very like i like to connect with people deeply and i think when i found stand-up my relationships with people changed because I realized that I was having all of that connection that I was craving so much in like my Mm. party drug era phase Mm -hmm. with people. Um, 
and I was having those those strong connections with like crowd members or audience members or like other comics, like just like in the green room or after the show. And like that changed my ability to even connect with my friends. And like a lot of those people I'm not even friends with anymore because we drifted away because they were not able, like they're only able to connect that way fucked up and not mm -hmm. sober. And like, it was so weird. Like the magic literally wore off. Like I remember like four years ago being with this group of people and being like, these are my fucking like soulmates, like for life. And I don't feel that way anymore now that I'm like, I'm not necessarily drinking anymore or whatever, getting fucked up anymore. And it's, it's been so weird and existential as well. Cause I'm like, was that all made up? Was like, and then, and then also it's like, is stand up a drug? And am I just? Oh yeah, no, definitely. Well, and for am sure. I just? One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah am yeah. I just swapping drugs? Yeah. You know. Interesting. I mean, I feel the same way with music. Yeah. And sometimes I guess it helps me keep it in check, you know, because it's very easy to be like, okay, it's the next recording. It's gonna cost this much, and then it's okay, double, and then we gotta market it, and then you're like, okay, and then next thing you know, it's thousands of dollars, and you're like, oh, I'm here again, like, yeah, again. That's, yeah, with stand-up, like, it's, like, luckily, like, we just, you know what I mean? Like, yes, there's album recordings and stuff, but even at that, it's not the same level that you would need to invest as it is for music, you know? Yeah. Um, but, like, so the last podcast we just did, there were two other comedians on, and Michelle and I are kind of, and them are opposites in the sense that they just like to do good shows mostly, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? They don't see the value in doing a shitty show, and Michelle and I are, like, we want to do, every, like, it, it, let's say stand up is our drug and it's the comparison to like weed. We want to smoke good weed, bad weed, all weed. Just give me weed. Just yeah. give me fucking weed. Let me get high. That's it. Let me do stand up. I just want to make anyone laugh. I can make laugh. And we're, it's fully just in and it's irrational almost. Well, it's, I guess it's also a fine line between, you know, you want to play and get the airtime and just, you know, the more airtime you get, the sharper you, you, you get. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I think we're at a point at least in, in my band with Sash and I, it's like you, we want to play, but the more we play, the, it feels almost like the less impact it has because, That's fair. because especially in Montreal, it's such a small scene that if you're trying to play once a month, how, how are you going to, how people aren't, people aren't going to come once no. a month and see you fully No, for sure. Yeah. You know? So how often do you play with, with the band, with Sash and well, do you play with other people as well? Um, no, I'm, I'm just with Sash. I've, I've been in other bands and sometimes I play perks in other bands and stuff, but, uh, you, you ever know, do like jam sessions? Uh, I used to be a, a huge jammer. Okay. And with Sash, it's more like, it, it's just like we hop in, go 300 miles an hour yeah. and hop off. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> so it's a different kind of jamming. Cause, cause he'll, he'll just like, um, say whatever's in his head and play and it's like that's how we build songs he just kind of mumbles um and it's, it's like free free flow wording yeah a, as it comes out yeah and i record everything on my phone and then i just chop it up send it to him and and write down what it is that i hear that he was nice. saying yeah, yeah that's really so cool. it's cool like it, because that is it's so cool what a process that was my next question so i'm so happy you went right into it yeah well it, and it's cool because I mean, so we go back and forth to Toronto once a month ever since the pandemic. Oh, cool. Me too. Really? We should like coordinate. Yeah, we, we, uh, <laughs> you go back and forth to Toronto? I live in Toronto now. I come back to do the podcast once a month, like to get in the podcast for the month. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But you're from here. 
I'm from, well, I'm originally from here. I moved to Toronto last year. Okay, cool. To do stand up there. Cool, cool, yeah, cool. And to do school, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we, um, I mean, there's this whole French English thing that we kind of touched upon before. Um, as a Anglo, it's funny because I went to French school my whole life. My mother tongue is French. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm an Anglo artist, you know, and there's just, there's just not the same uh, outlook on life. Because there's just not as many grants, there's not as much help, there's not as much infra infrastructure, and in Quebec, you mean? In Quebec, yeah. yeah, yeah. It is a it is a battle that English artists face. Yeah, it sucks. And it doesn't mean because I express myself artistically mostly in English that I'm anti-French. No, you know, I'm very no. Like it's just no. everyone you should your, learn. That's how you express yourself. It was like you said, it it's is. your mother tongue. Like my, I'm yeah. I'm half French Canadian. My mom's French Canadian. I appreciate the culture. I love so much about. French culture and how it bleeds into like even the culture of Montreal. I don't think mm -hmm. Montreal would be the same without the French component. Sure of course not. Um, even like the vibes of it, you know, like French Canadian vibes sometimes mm -hmm. are like just way better. Even I find living in Toronto was a cultural shock for me mm -hmm. in terms of like vibes. I know that sounds so annoying to say, but like <laughs> really just completely different vibes, yeah. like completely. Montreal is um, a fake city. Like Montreal is like an outlier city from everything else. Like Montreal, just the way of living here and everything here is just like we had someone move here from Ottawa and they described it as Grand Theft Auto. And it really <laughs> is like Grand Theft Auto. It's just like, yeah, we're all doing our missions. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there is parts where the people are just living normal lives. But I feel like Montreal is like such a because like rent is so cheap and just, so, you know, is it though? Well, for like us, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't feel cheap anymore. I mean, but like, when you compare it to, to other cities, else, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But it, it's definitely like. I, I don't know. I feel like when you step out of Montreal, you realize that Montreal, en tout cas, selon moi, is living on its the glory that the yes. its past glory. Hundred percent, absolutely, especially and with the arts, for sure. For sure, yeah. And and, it, and I don't know. I guess uh, you know it, it's been it's been hard to like. I'm I'm the first one of my family born here. None of my parents were. Neither of my parents were were born here. Where are they from? My mom was born in Egypt, okay, and my dad is Italian from the United States, like okay. Italian American. So, is he what, what state was he from? Uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Okay, yeah. oh, so wow. my, my, my grandparents, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, nice, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah they 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 have very thick uh, Boston accents. Yeah, yeah. and like, my Egyptian and family Egyptian. does not have a French Canadian accent. Nice, that's actually that's so, a crazy mix. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that is a crazy mix. It's well, it's it's uh, well, I, I guess, but. It's yeah. all Mediterranean. It's, yeah. it's, it's, they're close yeah. countries. It sounds sure. crazy, but it's... Uh, no, not crazy, but I like it. It's, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. it's not a common... Like, I dig it, yeah. Italian-Egyptian is not a, one that you see often. My my very... One of my very best friends and oldest friends, he is half Italian, half Egyptian. Really? And yeah. Yeah, and it's like... Yeah. And do, you, do you consider yourselves Quebecois? No. So, well, okay. half, because when my mom is okay. half. When I live here, no. When I'm anywhere else, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, like, I yeah, stand yeah. by it and I'm proud, but when I'm here, I don't feel mm -hmm. like a Quebecois. Mm -hmm. I just started doing French comedy, though, and they're so fucking amazing to me, and, and it makes me feel more attached to it while I'm here, but outside of that, I don't feel it while I'm here. Yeah. yeah. When I'm, like, I'm in Toronto now, full-time, mostly, and I miss it. Like, whenever I meet another Montreal or another Quebecer, or, like, in Toronto, I'm like the happy, like that's when I miss it. And that's when I identify with it more. Mm -hmm. um, and then mm -hmm. like, I've been, been like, I need to like be listening to French radio every day. Cause I don't want to lose the French and like, nice. I don't want to no, but it, you know, and it's my mom is half like half French Canadian. So we yeah. do do a lot of like French Canadian, even like traditions and stuff. And, and I'm, I'm, I am craving more connection to that 
culture, actually, mm-hmm. not living in Montreal so much because I guess, you know, you take it for granted. Yeah, and for stuff. sure. Come do some French stand up. Yeah, I do a gong show. Just do gong show. You're gonna I love it, do it so much. Yeah, it would be good. It just I'm more, more scared that like my humor won't translate. No, but, no, 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 you're good. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll yes, I have to. Pentel has been, been telling me to, so yeah. I should. Yeah. Um, do you consider yourself Quebecois? No. Okay. No. Even if you're like somewhere else or Montrealer, okay. yeah. definitely Montrealer. Montrealer. Okay. That's um, what I was going to say. I feel like Montreal, yes, Quebecois, not at all. That's yeah. fair. You know, right? yeah. Yeah. I mean, Montreal, when I go play shows. I don't shows. fit in at all. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's true. And the culture, I mean, Montreal is this little, like, it is a bit of a bubble in that way of, it is, yeah, like, it's more liberal than the rest of the, the province. It's yeah. like, it's a city, right? So it's full of, like, it's city folk and, and there's, like, more diversity and there's, like, more happening. And there's, like, also, like, because it's an international city, I think it, brings in the English as well and yeah. there's more Anglo and stuff. You but yeah, you go like any an hour anyway and there's people who don't speak English, you know? Not and I for wouldn't sure. I wouldn't identify like yeah. I mean I do because my my family is very French and Quebecois. But no, like living in Montreal I don't I wouldn't necessarily say I would say I'm a Quebecer, yeah. But it's not to say that uh, Quebec culture isn't cool and, and no, it's, it's, it's just more a well, and I'm assuming if you're thing. an Anglo yeah. artist, I'm assuming as like a kid and growing up, you consumed Anglo content most of the time. American from, from yeah. my American dad. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. So for you, you were always like, and that's how I felt as a kid fully. I was always like, why are we in, like, why don't we get to be like the States? You know what I mean? Even like seeing like American schools as a kid in TV shows yeah. with like 3000 kids then I'm going to my school with like 200 kids, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Like yeah. it's felt like a, mm-hmm. like not, re- you know, like we have family channel, not Disney channel. This is a big thing for me. I'm never going to let it go. I'm never going to um, let it go either. Too. Did, you, did you not watch YTV? I watch YTV too. Yeah. YTV was great. Yeah. yeah so YTV. was television. How old are you? Sorry. How old are you? How old do you think I am? <laughs> you do my bit. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Um, I would say 32. Okay. I'm probably older because you have kids. 37. Close. 35. Okay, oh, wow. nice. Yeah. Look How old it. do you think Look I am? Us. Sorry? How old do you think I am? Mm. 40. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Probably like 27. Okay, nice. Yeah, 26. 26. Yeah. You nailed it. There you go. Uh, See, you don't look as old as you think. No, no, no. But also, like, you I could, I could, I could have taken off my hat. Yeah. I, I know how to get the answer I want. You know yeah. what I mean? That's one thing. <laughs> Since I started doing stand-up, I started doing stand-up. I was uh, 20. Mm-hmm. Um, no, 21 actually, and I looked 32. I was bald and not shaving my head, and I had the beard out of control. And I realized early on, like people are looking at me like a 32 year old, and I'm just saying retarded stuff. <laughs> and they're like, "What's wrong with this guy?" And at some point, I had to be like, "Wait, how old do you think I am?" And then became a yeah. thing. And at this point, I've asked over a thousand people how old yeah. they think I am. Like every time I'm on stage, pretty much I ask someone, so and I know how to guide them to what I want. So how much of your identity is is how you view yourself, and how much of your identity is how other people view you? That's a great um, so there's two parts to my set. There's the establishing part of like what I am versus what they think I am. Mm-hmm. Um, especially right now, because like I have a comedy club, and a lot of the time it's a very small comedy club. We're not very successful. I'm the one doing everything, so they see me at the door. And I, I check their tickets, and then I get on stage. So I even have to tell them they have a perception of me that, mm-hmm. like, I need to get out of the way. And then once that's through, I can get into me and my life and how I see things. And they already kind of know me, so they can get behind it, yeah. understanding my personality. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I think. 
um, we interrupted you though. You were saying um, that you drive back and forth to Toronto to Toronto right. to do to do sets. Yeah, and you were saying that you guys jam really in a in a really insane way. Oh, the, well, it's it's not really improv. We were talking about jamming versus improv versus yeah. it's like. So, during the pandemic, uh, everything was closed. Everything was more intense in Quebec than it was in Ontario, and so we would go to uh, Ontario and play in parks and play acoustic sets. And we played. There's this park called High Park, and we got mm -hmm. lights and we just yeah. set up in the middle, and That's it was crazy. Awesome. Yeah, people were coming out from the forest. Like, what's going on? We did it in Montreal once too. Um, so yeah, I guess our our improv is more in that sense. It's like the excitement of setting up somewhere where it's like, what's going on, and then letting letting it all flow, um, as opposed to just being in a basement and like jamming endlessly. Yeah. 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 It's I like the idea of jamming. I don't know what the equivalent to stand up would be. I guess open improv. mics or like improv. Yeah. It, it would be like improv and like riff shows. Riff like shows. my buddies who we do the comedy jam with, they just have a jam every Wednesday and it's like they're all there's always like a set part of the show. And then they go, All right, if anybody wants to get up, anyone wants to do anything, just come let us know and we'll do something. People can go sing, they can play the drums, they can play the guitar, they bring their own instruments yeah. too. And it's just it's a beautiful thing. It's like so beautiful. when it works, when it doesn't work, obviously. You know, there was one it's time a I was dog's there, breakfast when it This guy work, with like, his oh. fucking he had his saxophone and he wouldn't shut the fuck up. Yeah. Did like seven solos, they're all jamming together. Yeah. It was like, what is this guy doing? And then I got up to do comedy after and I wouldn't stop talking about him with his fucking saxophone. And I think I went too far. But anyways. Well, what's cool so being a two-piece rock and roll band is it's very easy to go into, uh, you know, since we're only two, you want to take up a bunch of space. Yeah. But now it, after six years and just everything that we've been through together, we're learning that it's what you're not playing and you're leaving space for things to breathe. Yes. And it, it, it has so much more impact and, and it feels so much heavier, but you're playing less. And I think that comes from that presence, too, of being like, okay, there's the song. What does the song need? You know, what what does the performance need? You know, if if um, if everyone is just being super busy, nothing is connecting. Everything is fighting with each other. Right. So uh, that whole relativity thing and... and um... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Like taking up space, I... I I'm saying this because I'm thinking about the whole comedy thing and how if you're just blah, 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 the whole way through, it's like you don't. You're 100% right. Timing and yeah. letting things happen. Letting it come wow. to you as well. There is a comedian who I believe is the best comedian in this city, has the best like potential with what he can do on stage. Uh, he writes more jokes than anyone else, and he cranks those fucking jokes out. But right now that's what's happening to him is it's almost just like just so much to get through. That he's just hammering it out and like not even letting them hear it, yeah. you right. know. And it could be the best stuff, but it's just it's it, the delivery is is the delivery is everything. Mm -hmm. Everything. Yeah, I've had that 
opposite experience of the fact that I'm like actively disassociating when I'm doing some of my material now, like my old stuff, I'm like on stage disassociating and then like literally like not even there and then coming back and the audience feels that like yeah. they feel when you've like left the jo- left yeah. the body or left the joke or yeah. like you're not into the joke anymore. It's like mechanical. It's almost. mechanical or like they feel like if it's like a script and they're kind of like they feel that. So you do have to like manage manage that too and and li- 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 like you said like give space to the joke and you there's, know what you're there's saying. There's also like a hypnotization aspect of it mm-hmm. where like I'm sure it's a thing in music as well where even people who aren't good, who know how to hypnotize an audience, can get them just in it with certain flow and certain rhythm of the telling the jokes that like they're not good jokes. They're not even gonna remember the punchlines. They just know when this guy leans forward, it's time to laugh. And it's almost (laughs) like there's this weird, so like when you are not present, it's almost like you have no chance to hypnotize them. If you're disassociated, you're almost hypnotizing yourself Cause like you don't well, feel like fighting, telling that you're joke actually and you're fighting just like, yourself. Yeah, yeah. You're like trying to get back in your body, trying to get back to being present, and you can't because you're just so far away. Because you've you've lost faith in the joke, like yeah. you've lost faith in yourself as well. In um, that moment, yeah, in that moment. Um, I had another question and I can't remember it. Like uh, fucking, uh, I know that this is hack, but I'm not a musician. Okay, so don't judge me for this example. But just like Freddie Mercury at. Uh, the big one. Oh, live the live, live whatever it was. I don't know if it was live aid. Uh, yeah, it was live. I thought it was live aid. I just wasn't sure if it was, it was live aid. One hundred percent. Like there are so many things that he does in that performance that aren't just the you know what I mean. So many things to just get that audience just hypnotized yeah, yeah. with him. And there's so many people to do that is insane. But you need to do that in that situation because like comics always say to go do an arena sucks. Oh, because it's 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 so hard to connect, right? How exactly. do you how do you take X amount of people and and humanize it into one person, you know, and have a relationship? But and then you hear about people who are able to do, and it's it's a certain skill set that's crazy to acquire, and it's very hard. But mm-hmm. like, it's just yeah, it's 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 such a I don't know, such an important thing to be able to connect with the people. Well, um, parallel between uh, music and kids for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned that with kids, it's one thing to be physically present, but it's another thing to be emotionally present. So you can be physically present. You're there. But again, you're dissociating and you're letting kind of your life jumble in your head or whatever it is that you're spiraling about. And it's like I I find it's been hard because you think, okay, well, I'm here. I'm here. But it feels like your brain is always going and ultimately, you're not really here, you know, and, and your kids, I find, can really sense that. They for sure. Yes, can. for sure. They for sure can. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, that was, a, that was a, a really tough one because you don't want, you don't want to just be physically present. No. But then it's so hard to be emotionally present because it feels like life today can be very challenging and, and to, like, really turn it off is a is a skill that i <laughs> i'm still trying to achieve you know for sure mm-hmm. to trying to tune it out for a while but I, I find for me exercise really helps um i started playing basketball again nice i hadn't played in a long time and it's like yeah it does my body wonders but it does my my mental yeah fitness wonders because it's like you get to exteriorize so much more than just 
you know, physical energy. You're, you're focused, you get home, and, and it's like, yeah. So, again, you, you, time away is ultimately making me uh, more present when I am there. You know, you learn to, like, okay, compartmentalize. Here I'm doing this and here I'm doing that. But that's, I think with COVID it's been hard because it's been such a, like, you know, the days were just, like, weeks and the weeks were just, months mm-hmm. and, you, and you're like okay it was tough to compartmentalize but i think I've, we were all just trying to get like how do we get through this day again yeah. how do we you know yeah. what i mean like mm-hmm. sorry to get graphic here no, but no, i no. fucking took so many poops a day and just <laughs> trained my body to you got a 10 minute break right now from trying to get through the day it's gonna be quite nice you know what i mean like yeah. it well, was you crazy went, you when's it, the last time you went to the bathroom without your phone um i don't really no i don't do that do girls i Bring my phone. No, I always bring my phone. I try. I mean, I have my phone always. Sorry, I mean, I have my phone always. Oh, okay. Like I don't not go without my I, phone. Okay, it's double. Yeah, double yeah, yeah. Okay, I, that's I'm what I'm the same sorry, way. Sorry, sorry. I'm pretty bad with that. Like, As am I. As I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Because I like often do. <laughs> I'm like really impatient, so like in the bathroom, I'll be like, oh, he, there's a bunch of things like I've been like putting off doing, like sending emails or whatever, and I'm kind of like <laughs> stuck here. So I'm just like, well, I'm stuck here, so. We're going to send the emails that we don't want to do. I wonder how many but, emails are. Oh, are, yeah, are, definitely. Are. <laughs> yeah, you I love time. a FaceTime yeah. while I'm pooping. Yeah. Oh, every, my God. Every time you get an email from me, I'm on the, <laughs> just hit I'm me on the John. Um, but it, it's literally like uh, there's there's <laughs> during the pandemic days, I realized that like there is value in sitting there longer because then that like 10 minutes in, you get that second level. And it's ready to go now, you know? And I, I got a squatty potty and everything. Oh, squatty potty is the best, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I have a squatty potty. And a tushy. Oh, nice, yeah. I just, yeah. I just bought one. I just change, had change to install life. it. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, I had one on my old apartment. And then I was like, I wanted to get an upgrade. And then I just haven't installed it. But yeah, no, it changes your life. And then you mm-hmm. can't go any, like... Oh my god! You like go to you a hotel. Do, it's like a nice do. hotel. You're like these animals don't have a squatty potty. No, yeah. but the best explanation like is if you if you had dog shit on your arm, yes, would you wipe it with just a piece of paper? No, no, no exactly. Well, yes, you would 100%. wet it. That's you fair. would wet it. You would clean it. You would. It would be even so. Come on. So I don't actually. I don't have a bidet. I have the squatty potty, but I wipe till I bleed. Ooh. Yeah. Might want to get that checked. Yeah. Well, no, because it's not like I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Take I gotta, a shower. Take I got to know that's, and then for a few days, I'll yeah, have yeah, to like yeah. wipe and then shower, you know, yeah, shower, yeah. you know, but I don't always, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know I got to show, poop, yeah, but you know, I'll wipe till I bleed rather than, uh, okay, I'm sorry. We're I out suggest of it. Out the, of the shower. <laughs> you just got a nosebleed right now? It's because he won't put the heat on in his room, this guy. Anyways. Yeah, dry nose. Um, can I just say, I just think it's so funny that this is real. We just moved in together, and uh, he, he's like, what color do I paint my room? And I know that he's a person who, like, really likes to focus on, like, mental health and, like, being happy. He likes to do his walks if he's down or yeah. get sunlight, mm-hmm. you know? So I go, green. Green's a great color for a room to give you extra happiness. Is okay? it? It is. It's a real color film. theory, like, yeah. bedded in everything. Um, and then he goes... But then he did. He told me which color he painted. No, no, no. And then I go. And then if you make it the right kind of green, you got a built-in green screen. As a joke, he goes, "Oh shit, that's a good idea." And now his room is a green screen. Really? <laughs> I've been looking for a green screen room. It's really like you don't actually need. So if you buy that, so you can buy the chroma key. You can get the chroma key paint. Uh, it's not worth it. You just painted the right shade of green. You're good to go because all the softwares know how to green screen it. But the chroma key is like so expensive for that amount of paint. But are you saying like, yeah, you could use this room anytime no, you need? I just want to like, there's these, um, 
there's these rock and roll videos, yeah. like Black Sabbath playing in a in a giant green, like in front of a giant green screen, and they're just projecting the weirdest things, and it. I just think it's the coolest I'm thing. I'm sure he'll be down. Let's yeah. ask him when he gets back. It's easy, too, because he doesn't have a bed frame. So his mattress <laughs> can just be turned and moved out and moved nice. right back in. You know? I'm nice. sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you just got him nosebleed. Oh, my God. Get a humidifier, Matt. He got a humidifier, too. That's Oh, no, an air purifier. Air purifier, oh, but that's different. different. Yeah. That's for the cats. Yeah, and I recommended him getting that. But, yeah, also he should get a humidifier for the winter. It's bad. Um, yeah. Okay, but pre-poop, what were, what were we saying? Something about mental. pandemic getting through the days that it just oh, yeah. changed the way we see life almost. And like getting yeah. that like out of our habits is like changing the world almost. And so many people dropped off. So many people yeah. are never going to go back. No. And there's a new generation of kids that are going to learn from that and those habits and see their parents. do that. Think about back in the day, how many times your parents were like, get out of the house, go do something. Go play outside. Go do. And I feel like that was such a common thing that yeah. like now that's going away is here's your iPad. You do your homework. Okay. Play your video games. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. it, 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 that is a, it is crazy to see how much screen time. Yep. Us kids. Yep. And what's crazy is like, imagine it's like we, as a parent, let's say you can preach and say, you know, get off, get off the screen. But if they see, see you on the phone all day, then they're just going to do as they yep. see, you know, yeah. so you got to check yourself and then you realize, wow, we're, we're definitely addicted to these phones. For and sure. the internet's been around for like 20 years. But then there's also the theory that maybe this is like the way maybe. people think that we're going to become like one with machines. Maybe this is part of the evolution to that. that oh, like, I have a question. I yes. have a question about yeah. AI then. Okay. If you could um, have a um, – okay. If you could have an interaction with someone who's deceased, like would you? <sighs> like over AI? Yeah. Oh um, man, it's, it depends who. Because I was gonna say, like, with with this overposting on social media, mm -hmm. like for sure, and maybe I'm being conspiracy here, but conspiracy theorists here, but like for sure, the place to do it. We've got a lot yeah. of theorists, well, theorists in the house. <laughs> for sure, like all this information, you can recreate. Let's say, if I were to die today, mm -hmm. with everything that I've posted, you could, you know, anticipate what I would have said. You yes. could like put it in like a you could put it yeah in a generator of some kind and then if like God so forbid you were to could pass, always chat yeah, with the with AI you. yeah whether I'm alive or not yeah I think that's interesting I I don't know about that I ah I think that there's also even the the next level is those the the thing that Elon Musk is making that you can like literally connect the thing to your brain. And imagine it was literally connected to your brain for years and then you're going to die and you can upload your consciousness at that point because your consciousness is so many, like so many years. See, of being I don't connected like that. that thing. I don't like that. I don't know if I would get that thing. The, the Elon Musk, I off the top of my mind, it's, I can't remember what it's called. But that's kind of what's happening though. Yeah. Right. Like we're just uploading it for free. We're, yeah. We're, we're posting all this. We're stuff. giving them everything. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, um, I worry about it being driven by the wrong things. I think that would be interesting, like, if, like, a grief psychologist was was kind of studying it or there was, like, reasons for it to exist. Um, but I think grief is a bit big part of life. And, I, hmm. and I, I worry about, like, people's inability to, like, go through the right 
think like grieving process grieving processes if we've if we're never grieving anything i don't know mm. yeah will that change like human psyche it's, i don't know i it's I don't interesting because i so the subject of grief has been very uh very uh present for me throughout for my sure. life and um and i realized too that you know we're you grieve people who have died but you grieve relationships you grieve people that are still living, you mm -hmm. grieve your old self, you know, grieving is, is ultimately rebirth, I guess. Yeah. Right. Cause you, you're learning to accept and move forward without something. Yeah. And you have to acknowledge that it hurts. It hurts and it's gone. Exactly. Yeah. Um, gone in that way. In but that I, way. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have kept a relationship in my heart, you know, and a relationship that has grown with my mom. Um, whether that's real or not is doesn't really matter. No. Right? Like I don't think it does. Yeah. Yeah. Would you if if it had the AI been available 15 years ago, do you think you would have do you think that would have been a helpful because then it's like the concept is too is like is it a helpful tool yeah or, right? or are you just or are we I just but it just feels like an escape it feels like escapism and i mm -hmm. feel like that's what we are all, all doing is like we're all like distracting ourselves and escaping and not like necessarily being present in the moment because we have these accesses to like everything everything people who don't live in the same place as us like we literally have access to everything in this little box and that kind of, I don't know, I, I wonder if that is, is, in that way, is it a tool then or is it just another drug? I think there's also this mm -hmm. side where like when you're grieving over someone and you're remembering them and going through it yourself, mm -hmm. you the image of them is decided by you. Mm -hmm. You take what you need to take in order for you to be okay and make that good with yes. you. Yes. Let's say you go to kind AI, of romanticize your, gra your grandpa it. dies. And you're talking about your new girlfriend and he calls her the N-word because he's an old racist man. You know what I mean? It's like that's not how you need to remember your grandpa. <laughs> okay, you know, yeah. it's better yeah, if you're yeah. just Fair. like grandpa would have been happy to see me in love. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you do. Ro we do romanticize dead, our, our memories like of people. And I think they've done studies on memory, too. Mm -hmm. It's like after a certain while, like the nostalgia element is is based on this romanticization. And it's funny because. I always ask my dad, I'm like, do you think, like, my grandmother passed when I was very young at 13. So I think at this point, like, uh, close to 15, 14 years ago. And um, I remember asking, being like, do you think she would have been stoked about me being a stand-up? And he was like, "I," because she was a very, like, like badass, like, like she was a bit of a troll when she was mm -hmm. younger. And she was always this, like, we just, I just grew up knowing that my grandmother was just, like, she just didn't take shit from anybody. You know what I mean? She was like the matriarch. And so I'm like, do you think she would be like proud of me that I was doing this thing? And he was like, no, <laughs> he was like, she, <laughs> she probably wouldn't think it was a real job, you know? And in my mind, I'm like carrying my grandmother and like the essence of yeah. her and like driving yeah. and like, and it's like, we keep them alive too. So it's like, had I have, I have this AI, maybe if I'm like, I'm doing this, you know, maybe she exactly, she like you. She, you. she's like, she's no, like, get a loser. She's like, get yeah. a fucking real job. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, so maybe it's more beautiful that, 
like it, mm-hmm. it does live through us, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, but then if it's like a tool for people to grieve, it just feels like prolonging the but acceptance yeah. like, okay, of it. If you're yeah. like, I could yeah. talk to Jeffrey Epstein over AI, like I would do, I want to know what happened, man. You know what I mean? Like, but like maybe yeah. <laughs> grieving over family members, I don't think it's healthy for me, but like but throw would, fucking Stephen Hawking on there. But would AI like, He's dead. Yeah, he's ten. No, no, on the AI. Yeah, oh, but okay. would so I can, I want, yeah. yeah. But Sorry, would I was AI be able to still on the Jeffrey Epstein? I just, but would AI really I be bombed. able to tell you about the secrets that they kept? Who knows? If it was Neuralink, because right now, Neuralink. right now, my understanding of AI is it just scrapes like all For relevant sure. information that you input. Every the output ne- of it's so not. So you know how it's like ChatGPT three, ChatGPT four. Yeah. Every level will like access like a higher ability. For the AI, right? And I think that with the Neuralink shit, it's gonna be able to go to another level. Now, who the f- I don't know anything. Do you? Okay. Do you know who? Do you know the Dudesy podcast? No. No. Do you know Will Sasso? Yes. Okay, he has a podcast. <laughs> George Carlin. So, did you see that? I, I I did not watch it, but I heard about it, and I heard the controversy over it. But please, so explain like, it because yeah. I know nothing. So they, you're good. So okay, they go. had an AI generated uh, Carlin stand up, mm, yes. and he was delivering jokes, and it was like you could look on their the look on their faces was like whoa because it's it's entirely AI, yeah. but it was it sounded like him. It was the same type of flow quality it was it was yeah cadence but it was it was crazy and you're going like what's gonna happen but then his family was very upset and like he probably would have been upset because like now there's all these opinions and thoughts that aren't necessarily his that they just decided were his well the 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 rope like the machine learning decided yeah it's so crazy. how do you feel about like that's interesting they've done that but they they started doing they did that too with like musicians like I think I remember when I was working a few years ago I was working with a tech company and one of the engineers was like I showed him I was like you know they like redid like I think it was like I mean not a Nirvana song but they they did like a, a song mm-hmm. and it was like like per, like perfect yeah. Yeah, but it's like, there especially are, but imagine how, Kurt Cobain, like, it's just yes. the weirdest thing. There are Drake songs that have blown up to, like, hundreds of millions wasn't of Wasn't it like now. Drake and The Weeknd? Drake and, and The Weeknd, exactly. Yeah, but it wasn't them. And they're like, well. But so what, do, how do you feel about that as a musician? Like, the, the ability for machines to create art that's almost, like, to this level. I, I mean, I think... It's 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 here, right? Yeah. So to complain about it is like it's more. What are you gonna do about it? And I I find I've been trying to dig even deeper into what it's like to be a human because you can have machines tell you what it's like and regurgitate what it's like to be human, but it's like you need to you need to actually live it. And I I think that in time, um, people will always resonate with someone that is you know. Put, sticking their neck on the line, sticking their neck out right. and just like being human, being vulnerable, saying how right. they feel. I think that, yeah, you can always commercialize something and maybe it'll make a lot of money. But I mean, again, what's what's success? Is it a lot of money or is it connecting with people? A personal fulfillment. Yeah. So this weekend Drake song, like, does it get airplay? No, like, no, no, no. They're not allowed. No, like, that's like so illegal. It could be exactly. copyright. Yeah. It could be on things that are not for profit. It could be like released, like, like yeah, unmonetized, like, but it can't be released for. 
But like in music, it's tough, right? Because we there's there's the master track, and so that you can create like with Taylor Swift. I don't know if you heard what what happened with Taylor Swift. Is oh the I, AI photos? No, no, I don't know. About oh that. my no, god, I'm talking about dude, the, it's horrible. I feel so bad for they're fully doing like AI, like Taylor Swift, like naked, just like getting like well, think about yeah, that's, getting banged by all the Chiefs players. Like it's crazy, it's terrible, it's insane. What's oh, out no. there? It's fucking. It's, it's oh whoa. no. Whoa. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, but sorry, so it was happening with, uh, sorry, are you no, talking about Scooter? Scooter is, Braun? Yeah, so okay. I, 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 there's master tracks, and it's like, well, if you you can re-record a song, and then you own that master mm-hmm. track, and mm-hmm. you can um, monetize that. I forget where I was going with this, though. We were talking about AI, and then we were talking about music. And then we were talking. You were talking about Taylor Swift and Scooter Braun and Master Track because I said they can't play the weekend and Drake. That like the copyright issue. Yeah, well, because because you're using someone else's likeness to sell something, and even yeah. though you created it, it's like it's yeah. They didn't own exactly Scooter Braun. Well, that, and that's the whole thing. And it's so crazy talking conspiracy theories. George Soros is like at the top of all the evil things in the world in the conspiracy <laughs> theories. George Soros is literally the one who funded. Scooter Braun buying Taylor Swift's music out from under her, and she wanted to buy it, and they didn't let her. And it's yeah. just what didn't she's they come doing. Out and say that George Soros is Taylor Swift. <laughs> That'd be crazy. He's like, yeah, it's, he's, it's, he's fully he's transforming well, into like talking in shit South on himself. Park, in South Park, when Randy was Lord. Okay. You, uh, no. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a Family Guy girl. I don't watch South Park. Not that they're mutually not exclusive, that, but no, they're not. They's not. But, but it's I a like different both. humor. It, it did. It's part of I'm a Swiftie now. You can like now. both. You can like both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can enjoy both. Yeah. You don't have to. Just like you can like George Soros and Taylor Swift. Yeah. Um, They're the same person. <laughs> exactly. Why would you not like them? Um, I just uh, like made me like Taylor Swift so much more that she was like, oh, you bought my music. I'm going to re-record it and tell all my fans to not listen to that other shit. Mm-hmm. And they're definitely punching walls because they bought that with the intention of having it for 100 years. Yeah, but fuck them. And they got they it for tried, like five years. They tried to, they tried to, yeah, they tried to corner. They did what actually somebody else that went through this that didn't get as much, like I guess, or I don't know, at the time didn't know how to navigate. It was like JoJo. JoJo's back now because she, I don't know if you guys know JoJo. Like, uh, like yeah. Yeah. From, right yeah. So yeah, yeah. she had those bangers. She had like full, like banger, banger, mm-hmm. banger, banger. And then they, the, like, then they basically did exactly that. Like stole her music, had made her sign this like insane contract. And yeah. she wasn't able to, she wasn't allowed to pr- record for, I think like 10, 15 years. You'd be surprised so she was, how many contracts are still like that. Yeah. yeah. For real. Yeah. The music, the music industry to, is crazy. Well, what's cool is, so both Sash and I went to business school. And um, it, it's like, it's an aspect of music that I really enjoy is, is reading all these biographies and all, you, you hear all these, you know, horror stories about contracts. And then you start, you know, reading about contracts and reading about just the music, music industry as a whole and how it works. And Quebec is very specific, but the States has its own thing. And, and it's just... It's all been built on screwing over the artist. Of course. And to this day, there's there's contracts that have come our way that are like lifetime for you, your children, and your descendants for life. And you're yeah. like, what? What kind of weird yeah, language? It's crazy. Like, why? Yeah. And they assume that people weren't. That's the thing is because they assume because because artists because of the way that art has been for so long, it's like kind of been like not a poor man's sport, but it usually. That's kind of what it started as, right? Because like before, like 
it was, I feel like art was put in like this box of like leisure and only like people who were like rich enough to like be afford the leisure mm -hmm. were allowed to do it. And then it like kind of became like whatever. And then, you know, whatever. There's like the starving artist trope exists for a reason, right? So it's like you are getting these people who are dying for an opportunity. They're the perfect people to victimize and like kind of trap. Yeah. And it really stand -up. Is, How many people sign off contracts they don't even read? For sure. It's also for just sure. like getting in at the ground floor at like fucking 40 different startup companies. One of them's going to pop off. You're yeah. going to make your money back. You're good yeah. to go. And yeah. then those one, it's like, Nobody's going to get into a deal like that where they make money and they're unsuccessful and they're upset. It's like it, it really sucks when like it's predatory against someone who has a full career ahead of them and then they get their career and they don't even realize what they agreed to, you yeah, know? And then cool. it's just like, by the way, you're ours. Yeah, forever. Yeah. yeah. And they don't tell you until it's too In late. Perpetually. Yeah. Yeah, like perpetually you are ours forever. Yeah. Yeah. I whatever mean, what you say, whatever you write, mm -hmm. whatever you sing, we have first dibs. Yeah. It's crazy. Insane. It's also, it, 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 it definitely didn't like, like, okay, so I would imagine that there was someone who did it at first where the company was just like, look, you're going to be ours and everything's going to be ours, but we're going to give you a fair deal for that. It's a weird thing. No, no, no. But like, maybe like, uh, Prince, I don't know. Prince is the only one that's, that said like, no, they said, oh, you're, you're going to make music this way and we're going to own. And he's like, no, I'm going to record it my way and I'm going to own my masters. Okay. Yeah. And that um, was a, a huge, no, huge but I, deal. And then maybe it was a small scale deal. And then another company sees it and they go, oh, we could do that too. Once it's like the idea, like I feel like so many things start off as a good idea. And then start just off get with good intentions. Good intentions. Yeah. And then everyone around it who's like, they're like vampires who just like, oh, we can turn this into a way for us to make more millions. Right. Well, the, yeah, because, yeah, and because the logic of business I don't know if it's in always with like the integrity of art, like the logic of business is that nothing's personal. So you just, I mean, I don't know. I didn't go to business school, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just like the logic of business is that it's just like, it's not personal. Every decision is made rationally like, on a uh, logical, like impersonal. Just for laughs. Reason. Yeah. The originals recordings. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, a channel on Sirius XM that plays Canadian comedy. And for years and years and years and years, Canadian comics were getting their money that way, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. releasing an album and putting it on this channel. And then Just for Laughs started this thing, which is great. They get very new comics, most of the time new comics, sometimes established comics. Also, I don't know. Like, all kinds. Great comics. Great yeah. comics. All kinds. Sorry. Um, but newer. But newer. New, in general, like, like less than 10 years in, I would say, when I mean new. Um, they record for them. They release it. And the comics make money off of it, but the comics are only making maybe 20, 25% of what it was. I don't know what the numbers are exactly. Mm -hmm. Then just for laughs was like, we're making so much money off of this. Let's just buy the channel and only play our stuff. So it started off as like a good, well-intentioned thing. Let's get Canadian comics paid. Just for laughs, let's help out these comics, get some money in so they can actually focus on their career to then, oh shit, we're making so much money off that 75%. Why are we going to let this guy who has 100% of his album make his money? We need to make that 75%. Well, look at, look at like streaming platforms. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, oh, well, you know what? Fuck Netflix. We're Disney. We're going to have our own. And then yeah. Paramount's like, well, fuck mm -hmm. all of you guys. We're, we're, we're going to have our mm -hmm. own. And now I, I'm sure like why... Why wouldn't it happen in music? Like every giant label, you know what? We're gonna every giant just distributor is gonna we're, we're gonna have our own platform. We're gonna have so it's just which is funny because it's just like reinventing channels. Exactly, like yeah. we're like just back to reinvent. Like, but that's what exactly. I mean. Everything is a remix. Like yeah. we are living in remix culture. Like everything is a remix on something else that has worked before. You yeah, know, that's true. And so it's like, but in this like 
I mean, I guess with channels, you never really owned anything either, but it's, it's that's the same thing with streaming is like, you don't own anything. And so now yeah. there's like all these fears about like TV shows that were created as Netflix originals, like at a certain point, they can just decide that they're not putting it, like they're not going to stream it anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's like, that's like a whole other issue with like writing and stuff. But like for writers, it's like, you do have to, I'm taking like a business of screenwriting class this semester in my program to kind of understand like all the, like the licensing ownership and stuff, because uh -huh. as a writer, like you can just, you can either just like sell your script and then you'll never, you'll, they'll give you one flat rate and then they'll make all the money that they want on that. But if you're a writer, let's say and you have a net that signs a Netflix deal, that show is not necessarily going to, Netflix can decide at some point, like, oh, we're just, we're just not going to have it anymore. Yeah, you know, like how Disney used to put, it. Disney used to put like movies in the vault. Like that's kind of what Netflix is doing now. So mm -hmm. we kind of rent everything. We don't own anything. So I feel like DVDs might come back. Well, and then also well, the, look the at whole thing. Vinyl Vinyl's have, back. Yeah. Come yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing was get away from these uh, television providers, get Netflix. You have everything you need. But now you don't have everything you need. If you want to watch everything, you need Disney, you need Prime, you need and Netflix. Then, comes yeah, up to the same price the, as it would be for the whole TV package. For sure. And the providers are also no knew that. And they just said, okay, let's just go and make our own streaming exactly. service. And we're going to get them right back. Like Bell and Crave work together. Like it's, mm -hmm. and it's all. Business. And around we go. And around <laughs> we go. Okay, we have to wrap up because we're we were a little bit over time, but this was so fun and yeah, this was what great. a great conversation. Thank you for doing nice to meet you, man. this podcast. Yeah, nice it was so you. great meeting you. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug while you're here? I mean, your band, obviously. Um, if you're working on any projects or if you have any upcoming shows, this episode will probably come out in like the next like three weeks or so. So keep that nice. in mind. Well, we're working on new music. I don't okay. know if it's going to be out by then, but the Flamingos Pink, the best rock and roll duo, one two punch since Shaq and Kobe, I would say. <laughs> Amazing. Um, what On else Spotify, would I like, like our, 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 everywhere, like everywhere, everywhere that doesn't pay listen. the artist, that's where we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We uh, we print a, we we had vinyl printed, um, got stolen out of the car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brutal. So you know, brutal. Yeah, but we're still here. Holy. Hopefully yeah. those So if you find a, the Flamingos Pink Vinyl on the black market, <laughs> let, yeah. let us know. Let us know. <laughs> Hopefully those thieves are just like jamming out, you know, yeah, yeah. they kept one for themselves. They're playing it loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or yeah. making something with it. Yeah. Okay, well, this has been a great episode of Is It Me? And we'll see you next Friday. Bye, bye, bye. Peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.